0: Section two of On the Nature of Things This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linny. On the Nature of Things by Lucretius, translated by John Selby Watson. Section two. Book one, part two. Time likewise is not an existence in itself. But it is merely our understanding that collects from things themselves what has been done in the past age, what also is present, what, moreover, may follow afterwards. And it must be owned that no one has conceived of time existing by itself, apart from progressive motion and quiet rest. Moreover, when writers say that Helen was carried off, and that the Trojan people were subdued in war, we must take care lest perchance those writers induce us to admit that those events, that is, the abduction of Helen and the subjugation of the Trojans, were of themselves, when time, irrevocably past, has carried away those generations of men, of whom these transactions were the events or accidents. For whatever shall have been done, will properly be called an event or accident, whether occurring to lands or to legions that is men themselves furthermore if there were not this bodily substance in things nor this room and space in which all things severally are done the flame lighted up by the love of helen's beauty spreading through the breast of the frisian paris would never have kindled the famous contests of cruel warfare nor would the wooden horse have secretly set fire to the citadel of the trojans by a nocturnal delivery of Greeks. So that you may plainly see that all transactions whatsoever do not consist or exist of themselves, as body does, nor are spoken of as existent in the same way as a vacuum exists, but rather that you may justly call them events or accidents of body, or of space, in which all transactions are brought to pass. Bodies, besides, are partly original elements of things, and partly those which are formed of a combination of those elements. But those which are elements of things, no force can break, for they successfully resist all force by solidity of substance. Although, perhaps, it seems difficult to believe that any thing of so solid a substance can be found in nature. For the lightning of heaven passes through the walls of houses as also noise and voices pass. Iron glows, being penetrated by heat in the fire. Rocks often burst with fervent heat. The hardness of gold, losing its firmness, is dissolved by heat. The icy coldness of brass, overcome by flame, melts. Heat and penetrable cold enter into the substance of silver, for we have felt both with the hand, when, as we held silver cups after our fashion, water was poured into them from above, so that, as far as these instances go, there seems to be nothing solid in nature. But, because, however, right reason and the nature of things compel me to hold a contrary opinion, grant me your attention a while, until I make it plain, in a few verses, that there really exist such bodies as are of a solid and eternal corporeal substance, which bodies we prove to be seeds and primary particles of things, of which the whole generated universe now consists. In the first place, since a twofold nature of things, a twofold nature, or rather two natures extremely dissimilar, has been found to exist, namely, matter, and space in which everything is done, it must necessarily be that each exists by itself, for itself, independently of the other, and pure from admixture. For, wheresoever there is empty space, which we call a vacuum, there there is no matter, and, likewise, wheresoever matter maintains itself, there by no means exists empty space. Original substances are therefore solid, And without vacuity furthermore since in things which are produced or compounded of matter there is found empty space solid matter must exist around it nor can anything be proved by just argument to conceal vacuity and to contain it within its body unless you admit that that which contains it is a solid but that solid can be nothing but a combination of matter such as may have the power of keeping a vacuity enclosed, that matter, therefore, which consists of solid body may be eternal, while other substances, which are only compounds of this matter, may be dissolved. In addition, too, if there were no space to be vacant and unoccupied, all space would be solid. On the other hand. Unless there were certain bodies to fill up completely the places which they occupy, all space which anywhere exists would be an empty void. Body, therefore, is evidently distinct from empty space, though each has its place alternately, since all space neither exists entirely full nor, again, entirely empty. There exist, therefore, certain bodies which can completely fill the places which they occupy and distinguish empty space from full these bodies which thus completely fill space can neither be broken in pieces by being struck with blows externally nor again can be decomposed by being penetrated internally nor can they be made to yield if attempted by any other method a principle which we have demonstrated to you a little above. For neither does it seem possible for anything to be dashed in pieces without a vacuum, nor to be broken, nor to be divided into two by cutting, nor to admit moisture, nor, moreover, subtle cold, nor penetrating fire, by which operations and means all things compounded are dissolved. And the more anything contains empty space within it, the more it yields when thoroughly tried by these means. If, therefore, the primary atoms are solid and without void, they must of necessity be eternal. Again, unless there had been eternal matter, all things before this time would have been utterly reduced to nothing, and whatsoever objects we behold would have been reproduced from nothing. But since I have shown above, that nothing can be produced from nothing, and that that which has been produced cannot be resolved into nothing, the primary elements must be of an imperishable substance, into which primary elements every body may be dissolved, so that matter may be supplied for the reproduction of things. The primordial elements, therefore, are of pure solidity, nor could they otherwise preserved, as they have been for ages repair things, as they have done, through that infinite space of time which has elapsed since the commencement of this material system. Besides, if nature had set no limit to the destruction of things, the particles of matter would, by this time, have been so reduced, by reason of every former age wasting them, that no body compounded of them could, from any certain time, however remote, reach full maturity of existence. For we see that anything may be sooner taken to pieces than put together again, for which reason that which the infinitely long duration of all past time had broken into parts, disturbing and dissevering it, could never be repaired in time to come. But now, as is evident, there remains appointed a certain limit to destruction, since we see everything recruited, and stated portions of time assigned to every thing according to its kind, in which it may be able to attain full vigor of age. To this is added that, though the primary particles of matter are perfectly solid, yet that all things which are formed of them may be rendered soft and yielding, as air, water, earth, fire, in whatever way they may be produced and by whatever influence they may be directed, But this happens, because there is vacant space intermingled with the substance of things compounded. But, on the other hand, if the primordial elements of things were soft, how strong flints and iron could be produced! No explanation could be given, for, by this supposition, nature will be deprived of all possibility of commencing a foundation. The primordial elements, therefore, are endowed with pure solidity by the dense combination of which all compound bodies may be closely compacted and exhibit powerful strength. Moreover, if you still persist to say that no limit has been appointed to the dissolution of bodies, you will then, however, have to allow that there must remain certain dissoluble bodies in the world, which have not yet been assailed with any trial of their strength. But since the soluble bodies are endued only with a fragile nature, it is inconsistent to suppose that they could have lasted through an infinite course of time if they had been harassed age after age with innumerable assaults. Further, since also a limit has been assigned for the growth of things according to their kinds and for their support of life, and since it is established by the laws of nature what each kind can or cannot do, since nothing is changed but all things remain constant to such a degree that even the birds of different plumage all in succession show existing upon their bodies spots distinctive of their species we must grant that such bodies must have in them an immutable material substance for if the primitive particles of things could be changed by being successfully wrought upon in any way it would then also become uncertain what might or might not arise into being it would be uncertain moreover how far limited power and a firmly fixed boundary is set to each kind nor with such a possibility of alteration would the tribes of animals according to their kinds be so constantly able to reproduce the nature motions mode of life and habits of their progenitors again since even of such a body as our senses cannot perceive there is yet a certain extreme point whatever it be that point certainly exists without parts and consists of the least possible natural substance nor has it ever existed of itself apart from its body nor will it hereafter be able so to exist since it is itself the first and last part of another body after which other and other like parts in succession fill up, in a condensed mass, the substance of the body, which parts, since they cannot consist by themselves, must of necessity adhere to something else, from which they can by no means be detached. Primordial atoms are, therefore, of pure solidity, which, composed of the smallest points, closely cohere, not combined of a union of any other things, but rather endowed with an eternal, simple, and indissoluble existence, from which nature allows nothing to be broken off, or even diminished, reserving these primordial atoms as seeds for her productions. Moreover, unless there shall be some least, some point where division ends, the smallest bodies will individually consist of infinite parts— as in that case any part of the half of any body will always have its own half nor will anything set a limit to this division what therefore will be the difference in their nature between the greatest and smallest of bodies it will not be possible that there should be any difference for though the whole entire sum of things or the universe be infinite yet the smallest things which exist in it will equally consist of infinite parts. To which position, since just reasoning is opposed, and denies that the mind can admit it, you must be prevailed upon to acknowledge that there are bodies which exist having no parts, and consist of the least possible substance. And since they are so, since they are indivisible and undiminishable, you must also concede that they are solid and eternal. Further, unless nature the producer of things had been accustomed to force all things to be resolved into minutest parts the same nature would now be unable to recruit anything from those parts because those generated bodies which are augmented and repaired by no parts cannot have and retain unimpaired those affections which generative matter ought to have namely various connections weights concussions combinations movements, by which things are severally brought to pass. For which reason, those who think that fire is the original principle of things, and that the universe is maintained from fire alone, seem to have greatly erred from true reason. Of which philosophers, Heraclitus, as leader, first comes to the battle, a writer celebrated for the obscurity of his language, though rather among the vain and empty than among the sensible Greeks who seek for truth for fools rather admire and delight in all things which they see hid under inversions and intricacies of words, and consider those assertions to be truths which have power to touch the ear agreeably, and which are disguised with pleasantness of sound. For how, I ask, could things be so various if they were produced from fire alone and pure from mixture? Since it would be to no purpose that hot fire should be condensed or rarefied, if the parts of fire retain the same nature which the whole of fire still has. For, though there might be a fiercer heat in the condensed parts, and a more languid warmth in the separated and dispersed, there is nothing more than this which you can conceive possible to be effected in or by such causes. Much less can so vast a variety of things originate from dense and rare fire. For, though there might be a fiercer heat in the condensed parts, and a more languid warmth in the separated and dispersed, there is nothing more than this which you can conceive possible to be effected in or by such causes. Much less can so vast a variety of things originate from dense and rare fire. And this also is to be borne in mind that if they admit vacuity to be mixed with things, fire will then have the capability to be condensed or left rarefied. But because they see that in this admission of vacuity, there are many things adverse to them in their doctrines, and therefore shrink from admitting a pure vacuum to exist among substances. They thus, while they fear difficulties, lose the true path, nor observe that, on the other hand, all vacuity being removed from substances, all things would be condensed, and one body would be formed from all which body could eject nothing from itself as glowing fire emits light and heat in such a manner that you may see it does not consist of condensed parts but if they think that fire may by any means be extinguished in close condensation and change its natural consistence and if indeed they shall not hesitate to allow that this may take place absolutely then all heat it is evident will fall utterly to nothing and whatever things are reproduced supposing all to have been produced from fire will be made out of nothing. For whatever being changed departs from its own limits, this change in it is straightway the death or termination of that which it was before. Something, therefore, supposing we admit their doctrine, must necessarily remain unchanged in that fire of theirs, that all things, as you may see, may not utterly fall to nothing, and that the multitude of objects in the universe may not have to flourish by being reproduced from nothing. And now, therefore, since there are certain most constant elements which always retain the same nature, by the departure and accession of which, and by their change of order, things alter their nature, and compound bodies convert themselves into a different consistence, it is easy to understand that these elements of things are not fiery for it would be to no purpose that some of these elements should detach themselves and depart from one place and be assigned to another and that some should have their order changed if they all still retain the nature of fire for whatever fire might produce would be in all forms only fire but as i am of opinion the truth stands thus there are certain elementary bodies whose combinations movements order position shapes produce fire, and which, when their order is changed, change their nature as a compound. Nor, as I think, are they in themselves like to fire, or to any other thing, which has the power of emitting particles to our senses, and affecting our touch by its application. To say, moreover, that all things are fire, and that no real substance exists in the whole number of things but fire, an assertion which this philosopher makes— seems to be in the highest degree absurd since he himself while arguing from his senses combats against his senses and shakes the credit of those perceptions on which all things that we believe depend and by the aid of which that which he names fire is known to him for he believes that his senses distinguish fire accurately other things which are not at all less clear he does not believe that they can distinguish and inconsistency which seems to me both folly and madness. For to what shall we refer for information? What can be a more certain criterion to us than the senses themselves? How, if we cease to trust them, can we distinguish what is true and what is false? Besides, why should any one rather set aside all other things, and desire to admit the substance of fire as the only substance, then deny that fire exists, and still allow existence to all other substances. For to advance either assertion seems equal madness. Wherefore, those who have thought that fire is the primary matter of things, and that the whole universe may originate from fire, and those who have determined that air is the first principle for the production of things, those who have imagined that water can itself form things of itself, And those who have supposed that the earth produces all things, and is changed into all substances of things, appear all to have wandered extremely far from the truth. To these add also those philosophers who couple the elements of things, uniting air with fire and earth with water, and who think that from these four things, namely, from fire, earth, and air, and moisture, all bodies may proceed. Among the chief of whom is Empedocles of Agrigentum, whom, within the triangular coasts of its land, that island produced around which the Ionian deep, flowing with vast windings, sprinkles on its salt from its blue waves, and the sea, rolling rapidly in a narrow channel, divides with its waves the shores of the lands of Aeolia from the boundaries of it. Here is the vast Charybdis, and here the murmurs of etna threaten indicating that the mountain is again gathering its wrathful flames that its violence may vomit forth afresh the fires bursting from its jaws and once more hurl to the sky its blazing lightnings which great region though it seems worthy of admiration to the human race on many accounts and is extolled as deserving of being visited being rich in valuable productions and defended with a mighty force of inhabitants, yet appears to have contained in it nothing more excellent than this man, nor anything more sacred and wonderful and estimable. The verses, moreover, which proceeded from his divine intellect, proclaim and expound his noble discovery so eloquently that he scarcely seems to have been strung from a human origin. He, however, and those whom I mentioned above, men distinguishably below him by many degrees and far inferior to him, although, finding out many things excellently and divinely, they gave oracles, as it were, from the inmost temple of their heart, more sacredly and with much more true reason than the Pythia, who speaks from the tripod and laurel of Phoebus, yet stumbled in attempting to expound the principles of things, and, great as they were, fell there with a heavy downfall. In the first place, they erred, because they settled that motion may take place, though all vacuum be excluded from matter, and because they admit that there exist soft and subtle bodies, air, sun, fire, earth, animals, vegetable productions, and yet mingle no vacuity in their composition. Secondly, they erred, because they asserted that there is no limit at all to the division of material particles, and that no bound is set to their fracture, nor do they at all allow that any least exists in bodies, although we see that there is that least, namely, the extreme point of every body which seems to be least to our senses, so that you may hence conclude that there exists in bodies a least possible quantity which you yourself cannot perceive, but which nevertheless they have as an extreme. To this is also added that they make the elements of things to be soft bodies, which soft bodies we see to be generated and altogether of a perishable consistence. But if the elements of things were soft and perishable, the whole universe must fall back to nothing, and the abundance of things flourish by being reproduced from nothing. But how far each of these suppositions is distant from the truth, you have already had proof. Besides, these four elements are in many ways hostile and destructive to one another, for which reason, on coming together, they will either be naturally destroyed, or will start away from one another, as we see when a tempest has arisen, the lightnings and rains and winds not congregating together, but scattering themselves abroad. Moreover, if all things are produced from those four bodies, and all things are again dissolved into those bodies, How can those four be more justly called the primary elements of things, then, on the other hand, things may be called the primary elements of them, and a backward computation, as it were, be made? For, according to this hypothesis, they are produced alternately, and change their appearance and their whole substance among themselves, perpetually. But if perchance you imagine that the substances of fire and earth and ethereal air and the liquid of water meet together in such a way, that by their combination they make no change in their nature, nothing will be produced for you from them, neither animated creature, nor anything of inanimate substance as a tree. For each element in the conflux of the varying heap will exhibit only its own nature, and air will be seen to remain mixed together with earth and with some portion of liquid but primary elements for the production of things must exercise a latent and unapparent influence lest any element arise above the rest which may resist their action and prevent whatsoever is being formed from being able to attain its proper character these philosophers moreover take a beginning from heaven and its fires and make fire first to change itself into the air of the sky from air they say that water is produced and that earth is generated from water. And then they say again that all things return back from earth, first water, afterwards air, then heat, and that these elements do not cease to interchange, and to pass from heaven to earth, and from earth to the stars of heaven, which primary elements ought by no means to do. For it is necessary that there should remain something unchangeable, lest all things should be reduced utterly to nothing. Since whatsoever being changed, goes beyond its own limits, this change becomes forthwith the death or termination of that which it was before. Wherefore, since these four bodies which we have previously mentioned pass into change, they must necessarily consist of other elements which cannot be changed in any way, lest all things should return, as you may suppose, utterly to nothing. But you may rather conclude that certain bodies exist, endowed with such a nature that, if perchance they have generated fire, the same bodies may, a few particles being taken away and a few being added, and their order and motion being changed, produce the air of heaven, and that, in like manner, all other bodies may be changed into other bodies. But manifest fact, you perhaps observe, evidently shows that all things grow, and are nourished upwards, from the earth into the air of heaven, and unless the season is indulgent with favourable weather, unless the groves are shaken with rain and with the moisture of showers, and, you will add, unless the sun, for his part, cherishes the productions of nature and affords heat, corn, trees and animals would not be able to grow. Doubtless, and unless solid food and soft liquid were to sustain ourselves, our bodies, for want of them, being quickly exhausted, all life also would waste away from our nerves and bones for we are without all question supported and nourished by certain substances and other and other things are nourished by certain substances because as is evident many common elements of many things are mixed in many bodies in many ways therefore various things are sustained by various things and it is often of great consequence with what other elements and in what position These same elements are combined, and what motions they reciprocally cause and suffer. For the same elements constitute the heaven, the sea, the earth, the rivers, the sun. The same elements constitute corn, woods, animals. But they are actuated and made effective by being mixed with other different elements and in different ways. Besides, even in my own verses you see, everywhere, many elements common to many words. Although you must nevertheless allow that the verses and words differ one from another, both in sense and sound, so much can elements effect, even if their order only be changed. But those elements which are the principles of things, being more numerous, can attract to themselves more, and form more combinations, from which all the various things in the universe may severally be produced. End of section 2